Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, podcast listeners. Today on Stock Market Observations, Elon Musk has now secured potentially more money with Thamo Bravo. We'll get into that more later in a second. Amazon is making it a little bit easier to be able to use their Prime membership. Uh, Chairman Powell has spoken again recently about the increase in potential interest rates. And finally, at the end, we're going to talk, be talking about how CNN Plus is being able to pretty much no, no longer be in existence by the end of April. But with that being said, before we get started, I have to remind you all that I am not a financial advisor in any way, shape, or form. I cannot tell you how to make financial advice. I cannot give you financial advice in any way. This whole podcast is for entertainment purposes only and for your uh, for help with your research as well when it comes to looking into potential investments. Like I said, I can't give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. This is for purely entertainment purposes. And with that being started, let's start with Elon Musk and the Twitter war that is happening from Rutgers. Tesla Inc. CEO Musk is in talks with a private equity firm called Thamo Bravo about partnering on a possibility takeover bid for Twitter Inc., the New York Post reported on Thursday, citing two sources close to the situation. Thamo Bravo could be a key to Musk moving forward with a bidding offer for Twitter, the report says. Twitter currently has declined to comment. Thamo Bravo did not immediately respond to the Rudder's request for comment as well. Now, we already know right now that Elon Musk has secured $46.5 billion to be able to buy it. Adding Thamo Bravo to that would make things a little bit more interesting. In fact, when you actually look into Thamo Bravo and their assets that they currently have, um, the company in general um, has done over 300 software deals worth over $85 billion to date. And they currently have, I believe, in total, they have about $70 billion of cash on hand, or not cash, just maybe investments in total right now. Oh, correction. In October of 2020, Thamo Bravo was uh, managing private equity funds representing over $70 billion in equity commitments. So they have some leverage when it comes to this, but it's going to get interesting. I believe Elon is going to do whatever it takes to take over Twitter. This is exactly almost a very similar situation when Nelson Peltz pretty much was trying to force himself onto the board at uh, Procter & Gamble a few years ago. In fact, I firmly believe that if the board of directors at Twitter do not listen to Elon or even attempt to take a look at the offers that he's giving to them, I can honestly see Elon trying to send out flyers to investors from Twitter to be able to force a special meeting to where the shareholders of Twitter will have to make a decision on whether or not they're going to allow Elon to do what they what he wants to do. Elon is an advocate for free speech in a way, it seems like, but he really, really wants to take over Twitter. And he's even stated, in fact, today that he wanted to remove the bots that were on Twitter. Okay. So 
it's it's going to get really interesting. I honestly believe Elon is going to do what he needs to do to take the, over Twitter. But that being said, it's still something we need to keep an eye out because this story just keeps adding more and more to it. And I mean, Twitter does have their poisonous pill option, but I think a lot of shareholders are going to start revolting if that were to happen. But we'll see. I mean, there's still more to the story potentially, but we got to still keep an eye on what's happening with Elon and Twitter. Moving on to Amazon now, and I believe this is interesting news to be able to talk about as well. Amazon to let other online retailers offer prime delivery service directly on their sites. CNN Business. Amazon announced Thursday that it will uh, let third-party merchants offer prime membership benefits such as free and fast shipping directly to prime customers through their online stores rather than solely through e-commerce giant platform. The option called Buy with Prime will, initi- will initially be available by invitation only for merchants already using Fulfillment by Amazon, the service that lets businesses send products to Amazon Fulfillment Centers and have the tech company handle the package shipping returns and customer service. Prime subscription members will see the Prime logo on eligible products and other merchandise merchants online stores and they can choose to check out with the payment and shipping information stored on their amazon account the move which potentially loosens amazon's grip on other online merchants comes as amazon has faced renewed antitrust scrutiny in part of the uh, alleged giving itself an unfair advantage over third-party sellers amazon has come under fire for allegedly using data from individual third-party sellers to inform the development of its own private brands amazon has denied it does so it seems like Amazon is trying, obviously, to avoid a lot of antitrust scrutiny in the making. But for someone who currently um, who has worked in e-commerce a little bit in their working career, this move just is interesting in general. I mean, when you do Amazon stuff on e-commerce, you have to fill out a spreadsheet with all your information on it. And you have to submit the product on Amazon. Amazon, in fact, is so nitpicky. I believe that you have to use their images, if I'm not mistaken. At least you have to upload your images and then it have to be an Amazon image on Amazon. And Amazon's also, I mean, in the spreadsheet, if you don't get all the correct information on there, Amazon, I believe, will not allow you to put their product up on the Amazon website. And so... But the other thing too is like some businesses when they make their websites, they're not using Amazon. They're using like Shopify. And this is where this article gets a little bit interesting. With this new option, Amazon appears to be taking aim at the rise rise of service with like Shopify, which helps businesses run their online stores. Demand for Shopify spiked during the pandemic amid a broader e-commerce board. Shopify's lure for many businesses was that it allowed companies to maintain closer relationship with customers and have more control over the online shops. Shopify has seen a stark stock price fall considerably this year as the pandemic boom appears to ease. What's nice about Shopify, at least when you work on it, is you're able to build a website for your company. So Shopify is like a combination of having an Amazon, but at the same time, it's you have a website at the same time and there's coding and all that stuff behind and you're able to make your website how you want it on Shopify. So in a way, this is for Amazon to compete with Shopify, but Shopify still has way more advantages than Amazon does. I mean, with with Shopify, it's almost like 
you're, you're building a website on top of selling things. And though it's nice about Shopify too, at least for the time that I had worked in e-commerce, because I did a little bit of Shopify in the background, is that you don't have to post anything and you don't have to do any spreadsheets when it comes to, or at least work on Excel spreadsheets to be able to put the stuff up onto Shopify. You're, you're able to put your product up by making a brand new page and putting the images and the wording and the text and everything how you want it on the page as you're making it. It's kind of like almost making a WordPress blog page for those of you who have done uh, WordPress in the past, but it just makes it so much easier. I mean, Shopify just seems a hundred times easier. It's a decent service. So the fact that Amazon's making this move, it, I mean, if anything, Amazon should consider trying to do what Shopify does by allowing you to mess around on the web page itself. But that would also require Amazon to go from a e-commerce, a pure e-commerce play to a website and e-commerce play. And that's where Shopify has the advantage, at least in my honest opinion, when it comes to how both of these products work. But it's it's still going to be interesting to watch to see what Amazon does with this. I mean, they're trying to avoid scrutiny. And we talked about this yesterday. I think Amazon, if I remember correctly, had like, I think 69 billion dollars of cash on hand so they have the money if they need to to update things but it's still amazon's trying to do what it can to continue to make more money in the process so um now we got to talk about this uh pal saying taming inflation absolutely essential and a 50 basis point hike possible for may Fed Chairman Jerome Powell on Thursday said that the central bank is committed to raising rates exponentially to bring down inflation. That could mean interest rate hikes of 50 basis points in May as prices rise as their fastest pace in 40 years. It's absolutely essential to restore price stability, he added. The article goes on to say, the Federal Reserve Chairman Powell affirmed that central bank's determination to bring down inflation and said Thursday that aggressive rate hikes are possible as soon as next month. Quote, it is appropriate in my view to be moving a little bit more quickly to raise interest rates, Powell said, while part of the International Monetary Fund panel moderated by CNBC Sarah I, I, by, by CNBC Sarah said, I also think there's something to be said for front end loading uh, and any accommodation one thinks is appropriate. I would say 50 basis points on the table for the May meeting. Powell statements essentially met market expectations that the Fed will depart from its usual 25 basis points hikes from the move more quickly to tame inflation, and it's running at its fastest pace in more than 40 years. A basis point equals to 0.01 percentage point. Things are going to get extremely, extremely interesting when it comes to um, what's happening here with... Chairman Powell, okay? They have to raise interest rates. Inflation is just running through the roof like crazy. But that made me wonder a little bit. My thought process was, if they have to raise interest rates, why is it taking them so long? And why is the market freaking out? Well, the market is, at least in my opinion, really loves cheap money. And what I mean by cheap money is they love being able to borrow money at a cheap interest rates. Now, here's the thing. 
bank stocks might actually do really, really well under rising interest rates. Here's why. Are rising interest rates really good for bank stocks? Bank stocks are known to thrive in rising interest rates environment because the perception that higher interest rates lead to greater earnings growth. When interest rates increase, margin spread also tend to expand as interest income from loans and investments rise faster than interest expense paid to depositors. The higher the increase in interest rates, the greater the net interest income banks are supposed to earn. But market history shows that banks in general tend to decline every time interest rates increase. If we take a look about the financial sector index performed in the past 22 years, we find that bank stocks are negatively correlated with changes in 10-year Filipino bond yields 62% of the time. Now, granted, this is this article was talking a little bit about the Philippines and its interest rates, but what does become interesting is they mention later on in the article that there's a higher chance of defaults on people who cannot afford, and I believe it's right here, um, rising interest rates also increase risk of defaults that may arise from borrowers, borrowers, failure to make a required payment, which can negatively affect the quality of banks' assets, leading to higher credit loss provisions and lower net income. Banks will probably make way more money, but at the same time, there's also that chance that banks are going to default a lot of times because people are going to think that they still have low interest rates. But at the same time, I also wonder if they're hesitant of raising interest rates because it also means that people have to pay back more in debt potentially. But at the same time, I think bank stocks are going to do really, really well with these increased interest rates, especially since there's too much money printing going on right now. I mean, the banks currently are making money due to the fact that there's borrowers out there borrowing money. I mean, I think Bank of America just reported earnings and it was pretty decent. But, I mean, we haven't seen interest rates this high in a while. I mean, they were high a little bit under President Trump, and banks were making somewhat of money. But every time they raised interest rates, bank stocks would somewhat fall down. And it doesn't make sense, okay? Maybe it's just sellers trying to make their quick profit real quick. But bank stocks are probably going to be more profitable. If they raise interest rates, that's where I see a lot of money eventually running to because, you can make probably more money in the banking sector. But it's still something that everyone needs to keep an eye out for is how quickly do they raise the interest rates? Because even in the article that we just read from CNBC, it's mentioned that there's talks now that if they raise interest rates, there's going to be a recession. I think Wall Street's gone way too comfortable with extremely low interest rates. And you can't keep them this low forever. You've got to eventually dry up the money supply in some way, shape, or form. And you can't constantly be having cheap money to borrow to buy things. So these are things we got to be able to look out for the banking sector and interest rates that are happening. Last thing I want to cover today, and this was, comes as a little bit of a shocker, but at the same time it doesn't because we had just talked about Netflix a couple days ago about how they are losing subscribers and how, where's the growth? Well. According to this news article from CNN Business, CNN Plus will shut down at the end of April. CNN Plus, the streaming service that was hyped up as, as one of the most significant developments in history of CNN, will shut down on April 30th, just one month after it launched. CNN customers re receive prorated funds on subscription fees, the company said. 
The decision was made by new management after CNN's former parent company, Warner Media, merged with Discovery to form Warner Bros. Discovery early, earlier this month. The prior management team vision for CNN Plus runs counter to Warner Brothers Discovery CEO. Um, his plan to house all the company's brands under one streaming service, some CNN Plus programming may eventually, uh, eventually live on through that service. Other programming will shift to CNN's main television network. In a quote from him, um, in a quote, in a complex streaming market, cons consumers want uh, simplicity and and an all-in service which provides a better experience and more valuable than standalone offerings. And for the company, a more sustainable business model to drive our future investments in great journalism and storytelling. Discovery streaming boss J.B. Peretti said in a statement. I don't believe that. I think CNN completely tanked, okay? I mean, think about it. Netflix is losing subscribers. They lost 200,000 last quarter, okay? There's way too much competition right now when it comes to streaming services in general as well. And the other thing too is, I believe CNN is really not being uh, a journalist company when it comes to their news network currently right now. But in all fairness, who really is at this point in life when it comes to journalism? Because, I mean, you can probably say the same thing for maybe stuff like MSNBC, Fox News, ABC News. You can make your argument on every single one of them that they're not really reporting news. But I think CNN might be the worst of the worst when it comes to it. I mean, they were losing a ton of viewership um, the last few years because cable is they keep saying cable's dying. And so now you have all these companies who are rushing to perform their own streaming service. But at the end of the day, I don't think a lot of people want to be able to buy multiple streaming platforms. I think this is what it's also boiling down to is I think eventually a lot of these streaming services are going to start merging into one. And in the way it's just virtually going to be almost going back to having cable over again. Don't believe me? Well, let's look at this. If we take a look at the top streaming services and what the cost is every month, this is what we're getting, okay? So let's look at this first. How much is Netflix, okay? The basic package for Netflix is $8.99 a month, okay? With additional packages for a few dollars extra, and it can go up to $12.99, okay? So let's just say we chose the $8.99. Let's just round it up to $9 to make it easy, okay? So I'm a person who has Netflix, and now we have $9 a month. How much is Hulu? Basic package for Hulu is $5.99 a month, and then they have different packages as well. Obviously, the top for Hulu is $50.99 a month, and that's including no ads with live TV. Okay, so let's just say that's six bucks. That's 15 right there. Okay, then we have Amazon Prime Video, because Amazon's making their own streaming service as well. Okay, $8.99 a month, rounded up to nine. That's about $24 now dollars right there, and there's other subscriptions that they have as well. Then there's Disney, which is seven, uh, $7 or $6.99 a month as it is. And then they have, if you decide to pay the annual, it will be $69.99 a year. And that package includes Disney Plus, Hulu, ESPN Plus bundled together for the price of $12.99 a month. Let's just say we got the a Disney subscription for $6.99. So now we're looking at, let's see, it was extra six, which was $25, seven. They're looking at $32 right there. Okay. Then we add Apple TV on top of that. That's... $4.99 a month for their most basic service. And we're looking at five more dollars, which is 37. If we add CBS on top of it, that's six more dollars. That's about uh, 
math is getting up there. You get what I'm saying. The more we add an apps, okay, the more it keeps adding up, okay? I mean, at the end of the day, then you also have YouTube, and you have Sling TV, along with HBO Max, okay, and and uh, FUBU TV. The list goes on and on and on, okay? That's way too many streaming services, okay? The whole purpose of Netflix originally was to cut down on cable, okay? Currently, right now, just looking at cable prices. Now, granted, this was back in 2019 when this article was written about cable. Some of the cable listings on here, like, for instance, Cox, you're looking at $53 a month for Cox, okay? And then Spectrum is $49.99 a month. And then, like, DirecTV is $74.99 and Dish is $64.99. The whole purpose of these apps originally like netflix was to get away from having to pay that much in uh cable or dish networks now it's like you have all these separate apps for streaming services and it's just not worth it i mean it's it's just insane how much that all these streaming services are eventually going to cost in fact in the same article with cnn business when it's talking about um the streaming service thing, it says here, hundreds of CNN staffers may lose their jobs, Lich says in an international memo that all CNN Plus employees will continue to be paid and receive benefits for the next 90 days to explore opportunities at CNN, CNN Digital and elsewhere and Warner Brothers Discover Family. There's going to be a potential purge in the making when it comes to streaming services. People are not going to continue to pay for multiple streaming services if it's going to end up costing the same as cable, Okay. Though we we don't want to watch ads, the market's already talking about how Netflix eventually is going to have to start putting ads up on their streaming service in order for them to make money because they're losing too much money, and it's soon follow probably much pretty much everyone else is going to, have to follow too like Disney Plus and Hulu and all this stuff we just talked about. I think at the end of the day we're going to eventually start seeing a lot of these streaming platforms start merging back into one giant media company in the making or maybe a brand new sector gets made or something to where it's like oh we don't want to pay for all this in cable so we'll just form a new company and you'll get all these multiple streaming apps into one but then that begs in the question is does that form a monopoly in the making when it comes to streaming services i don't have all the answers to that I personally just don't see people paying that much money for that many streaming apps. There's way too much competition now, okay? It's it's insane. Maybe some people would be willing to pay for that much, but I don't think everyone is willing to. And I think there's going to be a streaming war in the making. And the ones who survive are going to be the ones who produce really good quality content and people want to watch their products. I mean, for instance, I think Apple TV has some decent shows I've seen on there at least when I'm hanging out, hanging out with friends, but like other stuff, it's just not most of the time. There's just not good stuff on these streaming platforms at times. In fact, I'm kind of an outlier because when I'm at home, I don't really watch a whole lot of streaming. I mean, if I do, I'm listening to like podcasts or I'm listening to small YouTube channels just so that I can get an idea of what's happening in the market. But at the end of the day, people are just not going to pay that much. That's what it boils down to. And I know I keep repeating this over and over, but 
streaming services are eventually going to get bloody. And I think at the end of the day, they're eventually all going to merge. And then we're just going to be back to where we were of having to potentially you're paying for all this streaming service. And it's like being back in cable again. So there's no escaping it, but CNN plus you had a good life for about one month. Now you get to merge with discovery or whatever they're going to release, but got to start producing quality content. If you want to survive in the streaming war, I personally would stay away from a lot of companies that have streaming services. I mean, if they have other business models as well, that could help them survive. But I think whoever produces the most quality content is going to end up winning in the end for the streaming wars. So with that being said, guys, thank you for listening to today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed talking about it. If you think some of your friends or family would enjoy listening to this as well, please share it with them and like and subscribe to this podcast as well as every subscription that we get is being able to help grow this channel so we can be able to keep talking about the market and what's happening at times. Thank you for listening today, guys, and thank you and goodbye.